Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Listen, Give. Good afternoon, everyone. And we are going to bring bringing you on today, Samantha Rose of the Ultimate Bachelor. She has a company called Product of Get It Right. And she is a wonderful entrepreneur, someone who's created something for the ladies in the kitchen and for you guys who cook as well. So without further ado, we're going to bring on Mr. J. Logan. Mr. Logan, how are you today out there in San Francisco land? I'm doing pretty fine out here. It's uh, overcast, but, you know, still kind of cold. Chili's not like the usual mate. But I'm doing great, uh, Gail. It's wonderful, wonderful being on the show today again. Well, that's good. I know that we've had a hiatus. We are working on new things for our show and, you know, working on moving forward in a new direction. Uh, not to mention that I have had serious technology problems in the last month to say the least, and um, I'm just so looking forward to the show. Jay, if you wouldn't mind getting us started with one of the great, great storylines that you have today, which is about 50 years of satisfaction from the Rolling Stones. Oh, that's wonderful. Uh, Yes, they get their own exhibit, uh, the Rolling Stones, at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame starting May 24th. they're going to have uh, a lot of guitars and memorabilia and a lot of things that is going to remind us how great this band is. Um, as you remember, back in the 60s, there were two great bands um, coming out of England. And uh, as we know, one of them was the Beatles and the other Stones. They're still touring as of this year, and they've been honored to have this great exhibit. Um, so I just think that, I think when I get a chance, I'm going to go to the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame just to see this because I have a whole year uh, to go see this, and I urge all of our fans of Listen Give to get a chance to get to go to the Hall of, Hall of Fame. You'll be able to see this exhibit. Um, I just want to see some of the clothes they wear. I just think that's kind of funny because over 50 years, uh, there's been a lot of type of different um, outfits <laughs> that they wear. So I'm going to go and check that out. Jay, that's really interesting. You know, I tell you, I just found out something new, that uh, YouTube just started their paid channel. So we're going to go right into technology for a second here. Um, And what's interesting about that is they're now letting people who have channels, they're now allowing them to charge for you to see their content. And I don't think that's really fair. You know what I mean? As a vehicle that used to be free. So now what I think is going to start to happen is Google is really going to have a competition with other video channels. I know that Vimeo, I believe, has a paid model as well like that. But I think that YouTube is going to have some issues with this because you used to be able to put fun video up and just explore. Now we've got to go pay for it. Uh, that could be fun. I think, it, I think you can monetize, but... I don't know how fun this is going to be. Oh, yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting. Um, hmm. It's kind of like how many things that you want to see to be able to pay for. So every, so basically everybody has their own network, chat, uh, network, YouTube channel, and you have to pay just like if it was cable TV. I don't think that's going to go too well with a lot of the, the users. Uh, pretty much uh, people go to YouTube because things are free. Um and a lot of things on there are not worth paying for. <laughs> I'm not saying that, you know, you, we don't have things on there like videos and things that I, I want to see. But I don't know how it's going to work out, you know. I've I'm, I'm, I'm got to get used to that because if i got to now start paying to see content on YouTube, I'd rather go to the movies. 
Well, you know, that that's pretty true. You know, that's pretty, pretty true. I mean, it's, you know, uh, I, it, that's a hard one to... <laughs> Speaking of, of technology, technology uh, uh, Apple just got a new patent, and uh, what they're trying to do is the new iPhones that might be coming out in the future, they want these things called invisible buttons. So, you know, for those of you out there that own an iPhone 5 or maybe the 6 or the 7, whenever it comes out, they're going to probably put these invisible buttons in there where buttons disappear. The slider button, when you're not using it, buttons disappear. It, it disappears to the background. And so it's kind of it's kind of uh, cool that you know you, you don't have to worry about things being in the way. Whenever you touch or the touch your screen or your screen has a heat sensor, these buttons, whether you're dialing somebody's phone number or pushing in or looking for the keypad, uh, they'll disappear and they'll go back to the regular home screen. And so this is something to look forward to to the new Apple technology that might be coming out in the near future. So. Big ups to Apple because they continue to improve technology all the time, and I, they, I love that company. And they're always doing something innovative. Wow, wow, amazing. Well, you know, um, one of the amazing things is about technology here, and especially with the things that we're up to, it's really about how technology can be used to integrate into our everyday life without it taking over, you know. And I'm just seeing some instances where, you know, I've had several breakdowns in the last couple of weeks with my computer, and my computer's not old. And it's really, um, it's interesting to see going back to handwriting, because in some cases I had to, and going back to utilizing technology, you know, for the everyday things that we use. What have you found in, in this situation yourself? Um, I think I want to go back to the feather and the ink, you know, back with, you know, when George Washington and all those guys, that, that stuff worked really well. Um, they didn't have to worry about um, antiviruses or viruses coming on their, on you know, on their paper, and the ink always kind of worked. Um, hard to erase it, but, you know, it always works. So I I think there's good and bad about that. I think we should never get rid of the, the pen and the paper. Uh, we should always have hard copies. Uh, we shouldn't depend on technology so much where it gets rid of some of the old. Um, some things need to be written. Some things just need to be written down. You know, you, you can't do it any faster. You don't have to, you know, you can save electricity. Um, you know, uh, technology has, has its cons and it has its uh, good things about it. Um, some things I like about technology is it's quick and it's fast, it gets to the point, and you can store everything on little tiny devices and you don't have to carry a bunch of stuff around with you. Some of the bad things is, if your device breaks down or if you get a virus or something happens to any of your data, it's lost and you have to send it out to be uh, repaired or your hard drive goes down, uh, you have to send it to a company so they can uh, get all your stuff off your hard drive and hopefully they can get all the information off of it. So it's good or bad. You know, um, I just think we shouldn't depend on it solely, you know. I, I wouldn't do that, you know. I mean, if we look at some of the things that happen with technology, a lot of times things don't go well. Or you look at the space shuttle, highly technical aircraft, uh, spaceship. Right. It's it still had a problem. Exactly. The money. So, yeah. So we we've got as a as a country, as a a a world, we got to still keep our eyes on using the old ways. You know, never get rid of the old ways because uh, and the young kids now they don't know anything about the old ways. You know, this is this is very true. <laughs> And I and I think one of the one of the other things too, in addition to that, Jay, is you know our next guest is coming on is Samantha Rose, and one of the amazing things about having Samantha Rose on is I love to cook in the kitchen, you know, and technology can't cook for you, although I think they would like to do that with the new stoves and all of the you know the way we can definitely cook now is putting our meals in, but this woman created this amazing spatula that I cooked with in the last couple days that I've been loving. And it's flexible, wow. it, it moves around. And I know as a guy, I don't know if you cook that much, but as a guy, um, you know, you might say, oh, it's spatula, it's spatula, but not this spatula. I mean, actually, I can pick up my food. I'm not scraping the bottom of my pan. Um, it's, wow. easy, it's easy to clean, and it comes in different colors, which is also what I like. And when you wash it, the color is not washing away, even though you can get them in so many pretty colors. 
that's the other thing. I'm thinking about buying all the different colors. And, you know, this is something I just love with the kitchen, buying all the different colors so that I can match it with the decor, you know. So it's just kind of funny. So without further ado, we actually have Miss Samantha Rose on our show today. And what's so amazing about her is that she also is on Kickstarter. And she can share her journey as an entrepreneur with us, what it was like to be on Kickstarter and be successful at her campaign and be successful at such a great product. I know I love it. And to some of you out there, you might say a spatula, and I'm like, yeah, it is the ultimate spatula. Because as much as I like to cook, it's helping me get the stuff from the bottom of my pan up. I'm getting all the flavor and everything. So without further ado, we're going to bring in Miss Samantha Rose. Hi, Samantha. How are you? Hi, I'm just fine. How are you? We're fine. We were just talking about the technology issues, as you well know, that I've been having in the last few days. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's it's tough. They, you end up relying on uh, on these amazing tools, but you rely on them so heavily that that when they go kaput, um, it, it, you know, it's it's kind of a, a game stopping experience. I actually had a, a similar experience of my own uh, over the weekend and yesterday, and three hours at the Apple Store. Really? If you don't mind, I mean, I know this is getting off the beaten path a lot, but as an entrepreneur yourself, what was that What was that like for you? Have, you know, you, you're running a business, and then you find yourself at the Apple Store, and then you find issues over the weekend. Like, what was that like for you? You know, I I think having grown up with a lot of this technology, it's it's something that I've learned to take in stride. Um, and, you know, as, as I guess everybody at the Genius Bar will tell you, Back up, back up, back up. Um, so, but certainly it's it's um, you know I, I run my business from from my iPhone. I would say at least fifty percent of the time I've got a three month old uh, baby who's actually strapped strapped to my front right now. Um, and so having having a device that I can take everywhere with me and and really effectively work. Um, on almost everything uh, but the design portions of you know of, of our business um, is an incredible thing. But you're absolutely right when it when it goes wrong, it's it's just a complete showstopper. So um, fortunately, uh, Baby Jack uh, was uh, very indulgent at the Apple Store and and, and let us fix everything without uh, causing a ruckus. But um, you know, certainly three hours that I wasn't anticipating spending on on fixing an iPhone and probably not something that would have happened if I was using a pencil and paper to do all my work. <laughs> well, and, that, and that brings us right into it. You know, first of all, I'd like, love to introduce you to the co-host, Jay Logan, here. Jay was very excited to have you on the show today. Hi, Jay. Hi, Ms. Rolls. Thanks for being on our show today. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and so, you know, we're, you know, having a wonderful woman, you know, such as yourself here and, 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 you know, and all that you've accomplished, you know, we'd like to say, you know, before we go any further, what, one of the things we would like to say is, you know, we know that entrepreneurship is not the easiest road to navigate, you know, Samantha, and we'd like to know and let our audience know how you got started as an entrepreneur. So you know, it's it's an interesting story. My um, and I guess it really starts um, when I was much younger and, and as a kid. My my dad. Um, I don't know if he would want to be called a serial entrepreneur, but he's certainly an entrepreneur and started a couple of technology companies uh, while I was while I was growing up. Um, one of which is it, he's running currently. It's called Picture Marketing, and they make marketing tools for uh, brands that help connect uh, brands to consumers and those consumers to, to social platforms. So I saw that technology um, from its inception and through its growth really kind of in my living room as, as a kid. Um, and, uh, and I think that's, if I, if I can point to a moment, I would say that's where some of the entrepreneurial you know, spark is born. And then, of course, I spent... Um, my teenage years in the kitchen with my mom cooking, and so you you know you bring together kind of a spirit of entrepreneurship and, and wanting to to market things and see things build and and uh, and grow. Um, and when you slap uh, thousands of hours of cooking on top of that, what you end up kind of thinking about on a regular basis is is you know well how can I improve the tools that I'm working with and and is there a business here? Um, Fortunately, with the spatula, the answer was yes, and you know, and and here a year later, you've got the result. 
Wow, Samantha. I, I have a question, Ms. Rose. I wanted to ask you, what did you find different in working in corporate office and working as an entrepreneur? Well, you know, I think I think from the get-go, um, you know, a lot of it is environmental. Um, right now I'm, I'm running the business uh, out of our uh, – I built a home office, and, and previously I was working at – um, a shared workspace in New York City called WeWork, which has a few locations, and we were on um, 34th Street and 5th Avenue, and it's, it's um, a great office space with lots of different entrepreneurs, and, and that whole spirit comes to life because you see all these people kind of building their small businesses, uh, and sometimes more established businesses are there, and, and it uh, provides a great opportunity for networking. But, uh, you know, I think in general yeah, think it's, it's that environmental Go ahead. Sorry. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's interesting because mostly it's more env- it's more environmental. Is, is it is it better or is it uh, is it worse? Or do you make do you have more fun being an entrepreneur or is it better to be in a corporate situation? Well, I I think for me obviously I've you know I've I've chosen the path of of entrepreneurship so and it's bringing me a, a, an incredible amount of joy and and I love that work environment. Um, you know, whether whether it's at the home office, which is fairly unstructured, um, and, and that can be a challenge. Um, having shared office space at, you know, at a place like WeWork, it provides a little bit more structure and a place to, you know, meet in a more formal environment. Um, and I, I think having either a, a sense of, of formality about the way that you approach the work um, or a place that creates that um, for you uh, coming into an office is, is a very valuable tool. I, I don't know that um, I don't know that that type of uh, very loose schedule would be conducive to uh, a high degree of production for for a lot of people. Um, and certainly, I've, I've had moments where um, you know, g- given that no one's asking me to show up at nine and and leave at six p.m., um, you know, it's it's easy to get off track. So. I would say that although I love it and, and of course, I'm, you know, have chosen it, um, those challenges are uh, are always present, and it's sort of a, you know, the need to remind yourself on a daily basis <laughs> that you've got to sit down and, and do the work um, is is important. But but that works for me, and and. Um, and I'm and I'm very happy doing it. So, uh, and we're making lots of spatulas. So it's it's getting, it's getting done. I guess you know at the end of the day, in some ways, the proof is in the pudding. Gil, I'd like to ask to this, add to this question, Gil. Um, I want to ask uh, Samantha, like, what is your work day like being an entrepreneur? Do you put more hours in being a as, as being an entrepreneur now? Do you or do you get off earlier? Is it just a day longer? The day is certainly longer. Um, it, it's absolutely longer, and and starts a, around the same time. Um, you know, I think I'm in a little bit of a unique position for the next few months in that I've I've just got this little baby boy that's taking up a lot of my attention, and and rightly so. Um, so, but if I can speak to what it was like, you know, before three months ago, where things were a little more regular. Um, yeah, you know, it, it definitely sends the workday. I think you you end up having um, a bit more of a periodic schedule. So there's there's time during the day to to um, run out and and do errands, for example, that you you know that you may only have been able to do in the evenings. But you definitely make up for that time and more um, on on the flip side. And and uh, you know, like last night, I was I was up until one thirty in the morning. Um, Writing back and forth to our manufacturer overseas um, because that's when he was awake and and I was still awake and and I had to get it done. It fills up the day. <laughs> this is so interesting. Um, you know, you know, as any as any show because we normally have a set of questions. It's you know, it's funny Jay asked that and I and I have a question as well. You know, sure. being that you have a, a son, okay, and you're an entrepreneur, and this is very important for our audience to know and youth who are a big part of our audience who want to start a business, okay? Here it is. You're you're pretty young. You and your husband have a son, and then you have mm-hmm. your business. How do you balance motherhood and being an entrepreneur, and especially that your business is starting to really, it's not even just starting, it is a lot. How do you balance the demands of motherhood, a wife, and home life, 
and also the demands of your business? Yeah, you know, I I think um, I'm I'm certainly not trying to prove a I can do it all point. Um, and and I didn't know that I was going to have a baby when I started the business, and who knows what you know uh, what that knowledge um, would have done in terms of you know the decision making process to kind of launch uh, you know what I hope is a long term successful venture here. But I think you know taking everything in stride, I I, I tend to um, I guess part of it is just that that. Uh, I, if I can talk about myself in this way, I just have a personality that sort of tends to be pretty cool about things. <laughs> I don't get too flustered. So um, I think that's been a huge part of, of being successful in all of those arenas. I think that having an amazing partner um, like my husband is, is one of the things that makes it, it possible. It's certainly not something that I'm doing completely on my own and, um, and uh you know, and there's a lot of moments of, of typing with one hand uh, at that computer with Jack sleeping on my lap or, or um, you know, sleeping next to me. And, and there's moments where ultimately I have to say, you know, the, the, uh, the baby and, and my husband are the most important things. And, and those moments, the emails don't get answered. And, and uh, I think actually in some ways that's a healthy realization that I've been forced to come to. If I can't answer the phone at 8 p.m. because the baby's screaming, you know what? I can't answer the phone, and 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 I'll call them back in the morning, or or if he falls asleep, I'll call them back at nine. But um, but I think that it it sort of forces a, a reprioritization um, in in an oddly healthy way because you know it's not necessarily, and this kind of goes back to to um, the the technology discussion that you were having right before I came on. Um, it's not always the best thing to be able to answer a business phone call at 9 p.m. For, for you personally, or for a relationship if you're in one, or 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 whatever. So um, uh, the fact that we have that ability is is incredible and and hugely enabling. Um, but uh, but I'm also very grateful for uh, being brought down to earth uh, by you know by a very lovely family life that that. Um, you know, helps me see things through, I think, yeah, a very nice lens. With that said, Samantha, you know, I, you know, this could bring us into so many other parts of being an entrepreneur, really. I'm glad you said that because you're actually a person who's not only in a family, but you're experiencing this and running a business together with your husband. So that's amazing. And that brings us to the next question. Would you share with our mm-hmm. audience the wonderful product you invented and why you invented it? Oh sure, absolutely. So so um the the gear spatula is um is something that I've been thinking about for I guess a, a couple of years. Um it's funny, my mom says that I've I've always been a little bit obsessive about spatulas, which 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 I never recognized. Um but uh when when I was cooking in the kitchen I said to my husband one day, like, you know, why don't they make these things all out of silicone? Because I had just uh, I had just burned a wooden handle of a spatula on the side of the stove. I was chopping some onions. I turned around. I looked back, and it, and it was burned. And I realized that, you know, you've got these incredibly amazing uh, silicone blades for spatulas, and they're heat-resistant, and they're food-safe, and, um, you know, and they're, they're actually really environmentally friendly to manufacture. And then you've got handles that are made out of wood or steel that gets really, really hot, um, and uh, and they connect to the blade in a way that, that tends to uh, attract oils and, and kind of collect um, food particles over time. So I thought, you know, why not why not make it all out of one piece? Why not make it all out of this amazing silicone material? And uh, ordered some uh, some silicone molding supplies um, and, and did the first kind of batch, just very homegrown in my kitchen. I made, a, I made a prototype out of silicone in the kitchen after having made um, a few uh, models that were fairly close to what I was thinking um, it should look like. Um, and from there, we built a 3D model. And, and again, we're touching back on the, on the transition from technology to, or uh, lack of technology toward technology, kind of build the thing with your hands. Then you build it on a computer, and you've got a 3D model and then you send that away uh, to get laser-centered into a prototype, 
and then you build molds and, and you move to manufacturing. So um, it was, for the for the first spatulas we made, it was a very organic process. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and obviously now we're manufacturing a few thousand at a time, so or more than a few thousand at a time. <laughs> But uh, but so that's a, that's a little bit about uh, you know not only the genesis of the spatula but um, but uh, but why we made it and and it's it's my favorite kitchen tool and I, I guess it sh it should be it that's exactly what I was dreaming of when when I thought you know oh why not just why not just improve upon this such a common tool in X Y and and Z ways so it's dishwasher safe and it. it uh, I haven't been able to destroy one yet. I've tried to burn them, <laughs> short of sticking it right into the burner flame uh, in my kitchen. Uh, they're really heat safe and, uh, you know, and, and beautiful to look at. I think the colors were a really big part of, of what we wanted to do. We wanted to make sure that um, we were bringing something very joyful into the kitchen and something that people could uh, feel immediately, um, the, feel it was an, an immediately personal item because you get to match it to, you know, to your personality or to whatever your kitchen is decorated, um, and, uh, and I wanted to have uh, those options for people. Well, I'm not going to I'm not going to get in. I don't want to hog up the space because I know Jay has another question for you. <laughs> sure, sure. I I sure do. And Gil, I wanted to say I was at her website and I, I saw a little slogan on it that said, "Good enough is not good enough. It has to be great." And I just thought that was a cute little slogan you guys had. "Good enough is not good enough." <laughs> so so I, yeah. I love that little slogan. <laughs> we we hear we hear Samantha. I mean, Gil, we heard that you had a very very successful campaign on Kickstarter. Would you mind telling us a little bit about it? Sure. So, you know, when when um, when we came to the point where we had something that I thought was, uh, you know, a, a finished product, my, my first um, instinct was to say, let's build ten of these and just give them to friends and say, I want one, and, I, you know, I know my mom would want one, and Brian's mom will want one, and um, give them to friends and family, and... And then, you know, when, when push comes to shove and you start talking to manufacturers as, as a first-time, uh, you know, manufacturer myself, you realize, well, building 10 of these is just about the same as building 10,000. So, so why don't we do that? Um, and at that point, I realized that what I really needed to do was, was market test it um, because, it's you know, it's a, it's a premium spatula. It's a premium product. I wanted to make sure that even though I knew in my heart of hearts, that it was a great product and something that I wanted the whole world to have, um, there's a sense that you want at least a few other people in the world to tell you that they agree. Um, and, and Kickstarter, given the nature of its, of its user base and how enthusiastic they are, I thought would be an ideal testing ground for that. So uh, we set a funding goal of, of $15,000, which was just about what we needed to actually make that leap to manufacturing. And I thought, you know what, if we don't make our goal, there's my answer. If, if, if um, you know, a few thousand, uh, sorry, a few hundred people don't think this is as good an idea as I think it is, why bother making 10,000 of them? No one's going to buy them. <laughs> um, but, but in fact, we, you know, obviously and very joyfully uh, had the opposite response. We had uh, almost 1,700 backers and raised uh, about $48,000, um, wow. and it was hugely successful for you know for a kitchen product, um, and also for something that really, when you get down to it, everybody already owns. Uh, I, I know very few people, uh, even in New York City, which you know tends to be the takeout central of, of the world, um, that that don't own a spatula in some way, shape, or form. Um, so uh, extraordinarily grateful to to all of those. Um, people on Kickstarter who kind of gave us the green light um, and uh, and gave us that extra little boost of confidence we needed to say, you know what, we can move this beyond Kickstarter. We can move it into stores, um, and uh, you know we can move it to Williams Sonoma or Sur La Table or uh, or wherever the next next step is for us. And and that's what we're focusing on now. Extraordinary. That's what. <laughs> wow. wow. <laughs> Thank you. But I tell you, one of, one of the things, you know, it sounds like 
you know, the process that you went through on Kickstarter was amazing for you. And I know that there are other people that sometimes, you know, they don't make that mark like you did. Can you tell us what you learned from your experience on Kickstarter and, and some of the things, you know, that you can help out our other audience members look for when they're on Kickstarter itself? Sure. You know, I, I think if there's one primary takeaway for me, it's, um, I guess, in a word, communication. Um, and, and to kind of add a little bit of color to that, um, we, we spent an extraordinary amount of time, and I should say I spent an extraordinary amount of time answering questions very personally, one-to-one, um, as, as often as we could. We sent lots of updates. Not too many updates, I hope, but um, we wanted to let people know what was going on on a fairly continual basis with the campaign because, of course, it's their money that's, you know, pledged to um, to help it become a reality. And and I think that um, what I hadn't realized before was how much customer service and sort of holding that as a core attribute for, for the brand um, would would really help to define us. Um, it's one of the things that we got the, the most feedback about, um, you know, oddly enough, was we got a lot of feedback about our feedback <laughs> um, and, and a lot of people saying that they were appreciative to, to receive the, the types of answers that they did and, um, and all of those answers were coming from a very honest place um, and, and really, you know, kind of going back, oddly enough, to, to uh, being a three- or four-year-old and, and the golden rule and, and just treating these backers the way that I wanted to be treated as a backer because having um, participated for a couple of years on Kickstarter before running a campaign of my own, um, what I came to recognize is that I was, I was the happiest when I was seeing that uh, the project creators were even if they weren't delivering on time, um, they were at least letting everybody know what was going on. And the real problems in, in campaigns, um, and I think you know, the, the, the tough times on Kickstarter um, would happen when a project creator would, would kind of go AWOL. Um, and you wouldn't know what was going on, you wouldn't know where your money went, and, and that type of thing you know, can, be, can be very upsetting because you've not only invested um, with your dollars, but, there, but because it's a community uh, on Kickstarter, and because each campaign tends to generate its own sub-community, there's this emotional investment that goes along with the whole thing too. And you really, you know, you want to see these things succeed because you know that they won't if enough people don't crowdfund it with you. Um, so, so I think, you know, not not to not to um, belabor the point, but uh, but that for us was was the biggest lesson was just you know, treating people the way that, that we really wanted to be treated, giving them honest answers as quickly as human as you know, quickly as humanly possible, uh, when it came down to it. I, I was wondering, Samantha, did you raise money in other areas outside of Kickstarter also? I'm sorry, repeat the question. Did you raise uh, other monies outside of Kickstarter? Oh, no, we you know we didn't. Um we didn't, and, and fortunately we didn't need to because we, we were so successful that, that we were able to cover um, all of our manufacturing costs and, um, and have uh, our shipping costs covered as well, which was something I was not anticipating was the expense of, of actually, <laughs> once we've created the product, getting it to people um, you know, as far away as Malaysia and as close as uh, 34th Street in New York City um, was, was a, a huge uh, I guess really monumental task, um, but uh, we didn't need uh, to raise money elsewhere, and and I'm I'm uh, I'm very glad we didn't. Although I will say that that my husband and I obviously invested personally in in the company, um, and and continue to do so to uh, to keep it operating um, while we're trying to get some larger wholesale orders kind of fulfilled because because those those tend to come with uh, a lot of uh, inventory. Commitment up front. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's been an interesting road. You know, I, I I have to say I was exposed to to um, fairly well all of the parts of running a small business by virtue of of the fact that my dad was was building and and growing his businesses uh, around us as kids. Um, but 
but doing it <laughs> obviously is, is uh, you know, a whole a whole other matter. And um, and it's it's been an amazing learning experience. I, I I will say it, you know, another another Kickstarter lesson, if I can touch on one, is is just to anticipate those um, the need for expertise outside your own areas of expertise, right? I, I'm you know, fine at design, I'm great at marketing, we built a fantastic product, but all of a sudden you've got to be customer service, you know, legal, um, business development, sales, uh, and uh, uh, fulfillment, warehousing, um, PR. <laughs> you know, wow. you build, a, build a team quickly and build your own expertise quickly um, or, or perish, I guess. <laughs> One of the things really about this that's so, um, so amazing is that, you know, when you, when you think about, you know, between the question that Jay had to of raising money outside of Kickstarter, I'd really like to know something myself, Samantha. Like, you know, people make mistakes on Kickstarter, and you just said about being a public relations person. You know, it's kind of like to do it all, and you were successful in that. And I know it was hard work. And, you know, and I know that it was, it could be probably overwhelming at the time with everything going on with being pregnant. I know that you were and all of those things. My question to you is, being that you did raise money strictly on Kickstarter, what are some of the mistakes you think people make on Kickstarter and some of the blunders that you saw that people were making on their campaigns for Kickstarter that you think personally had them not be successful? And then I have a second, a, a real quick second part to that question. When did you know that you had connected with your audience and that you were going to make your goal? Oh, that's that's a very interesting second question. Well, I, you know, I will say um, that it's you know it's kind of a keeping all all of the balls in the air operation, and and I very quickly built an amazing team around me. I realized that um, by calling upon friends and former colleagues um, for either recommendations or for, or for their own expertise, um, I was going to be so much more empowered um, to do a great job. And, and um, so we have, you know, an, an amazing woman helping us with, with PR who's, you know, a, a fantastic friend at the same time. Um, another good friend of mine is, is helping with a lot of our, you know, our design. My husband does a lot of the finances. I think that pulling together a great team, uh, even though a lot of people kickstarting, you know, begin as individuals, it's, it's really about um, creating that fantastic team. And I think that's one of the things that um, can sort of drive success or um, or be a sign of, uh, kind of like impending difficulties or, or failure. Um, and uh, and certainly makes the trip, you know, a lot more fun when you've got a, a lot of people in it with you and and. Uh, can give each other high fives when when things go well and pats on the back when things go wrong. Um, I think when communication breaks down on Kickstarter is is when you can see um, that campaigns start to have the real difficulty when people are posting comments or questions that aren't getting answers. Um, you know, a, a day or two going by, which is far longer than I than I. I mean, I, I was kind of. A one to two hour responder, <laughs> but um, you know campaigns where more than a day or two go by uh, without a response to a backer's question, you'll start to see the community get a little bit more uncomfortable. Um, you can see backers start to fall off of the campaign and choose to withdraw their pledges, um, or if the campaign's already ended, um, you'll see people start to get a little bit frustrated and. Uh, over the course of a year, that frustration can, you know, can build to anger and to legal action, which which has happened um, uh, with with certainly more than one campaign, but but of the about a dozen campaigns that I've personally um, backed and participated in, one of them has now entered legal action um, because the uh, the creators just kind of disappeared to Thailand and with all of the money and and stopped communicating with everybody. Um, so you know, and that's a scary thing when it happens. But but uh, I, you know, for me, those were those were the two big signs: constant communication and and the ability to to build a team around you who can be part of it with you. Um, I think those are are not only the indicators of, of something that will be a very successful campaign, but also when they start to go wrong, um, those are all the, you know they're the signs of of a campaign that's not going to do too well or that's going to have problems after it closes. Um, 
And then and re repeat your second question to me um, so I, I've got it fresh in my mind while I answer it. Well, what I wanted to know is people, you know, people make other mistakes, you know, in Kickstarter. You've done the, you know, you shared with Jay, you've done the public relations. You did all of that stuff, okay? And the question I had is, inside of doing all the public relations, all of that work, and, you know, what are the mistakes that you see that people make, okay? And in, in addition to that, I think you've already answered it, in addition to that, the moment you know that you click with the audience, you're building, you're going you're gonna to hit your goal. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so that, that moment of clicking, you know, I think, oddly enough, that happens very early on for for most campaigns. I mean, a little bit of it has to do with um, with the moment that you get your first recognition outside of Kickstarter. That's always a very exciting thing. I think for, for project creators is when, when um, some news uh, news or media stream uh, or blog kind of catches wind of what you're doing and, and um, highlights it for their members. Um, that's, a, that's a big moment, obviously, a bigger moment, the bigger the, bigger the blog or, or the bigger the media outlet. Um, and uh, and that for us happened, I think, on the first or second day. So so we knew fairly quickly. Um, and you know, and one of the things that I think was was important to me personally um, to to kind of build early on was was this sense of, of very strong branding and a and a brand personality that that I believed in. Um, so we wanted to make sure that everything looked really professional. We wanted to make sure that it looked. Um, I guess believable, for lack of a better word, um, because you know, even though we in our in our heads knew that we could accomplish what we were promising to accomplish, the only indication that that backers and potential backers have um, is is the brand, and and that's really you, you know that's the personality that they're going to end up re relating to. Um, so uh, once we had everything up and running. And we're past the first kind of 48 hours. Had a blog hit um, and saw people asking questions to Product of Gear and answering questions as Product of Gear, and and that brand started to to really come to life. Um, we knew that that we were good to go. Wow, um, Samantha, where would you say uh, people make their mistakes? as entrepreneurs developing their business? Oh, gosh, let's, I mean, that's it's such a broad question, um, you know, and it, it can happen. <laughs> There's so many easy ways to make to make mistakes. Um, you know, I, I think I, I just just to kind of compartmentalize the answer a little bit and, 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 and make it personal, um, I think the way that we avoided mistakes was um, – was just simply by projecting uh, and and then enacting um, a, a very honest way of, of doing business. You, if you got an answer from us, it was the real answer. It was the same answer for you know for everybody. We were trying to make everybody really happy. Um, and I think if you know if I can kind of expand that to entrepreneurship in general, I think that if you are acting in the world as an entrepreneur. Um, the way that that you uh, want to be acted upon as a customer, um, you you know you've got a lot of the bases covered, you know, and then and then beyond that, there's just a huge amount of of um, you know intelligence and strategy that that you kind of gotta either have or have have an instinct for, or again build that team to bring um, to bring to bear on on the project because. Um, a, I think a business venture, you know, there's there so many moving parts, uh, which I discovered ex extraordinarily quickly, <laughs> practically overnight. Um, and uh, and you've got to you've got to be able to multitask and keep all of those moving parts afloat. Um, and uh, either yourself or um, or you've got to be able to manage the team that that can do it. So it's a little bit of a reverse way of answering your questions. That's kind of what's go what goes right or what makes it go right. Um and, and luckily for us nothing has gone super duper wrong yet. Um so uh so I don't have as as personal an answer for <laughs> for the mistake uh you know kind of category. 
um, although I'm sure I'm sure it will it will come as you know as as time goes on and and we'll we'll have to kind of weather that storm too. Well, I mean, oh. my last my last question, and I think I believe I just uh, took uh, stole Jay's time here with you. Um, so <laughs> Jay's got another question for you, but I my last question to you is. Having a son, you know, being pregnant during the time we were still, you know, navigating the entrepreneurial market here, okay? Mm-hmm. For, for me as, you know, a woman and a lot of other women who want to have children and went through that process, I think you went through the perfect timing because you can share with the women here and for the men to know what that's like. Being a woman who's an entrepreneur, has a dream, makes a product that's easier for us women to use. How was it being pregnant and still dealing with the demands, again, of building your business, you know? And even though you have a very successful uh, relationship with your, part, your your husband being there for you, so how was it for you personally? What kind of toll did it take on you physically? You know, I, I think um, probably my body needed a lot more sleep than I was anticipating or at, or at times giving it. Um, but but it was really, you know, it was a balancing act. I. I was very lucky. I had a fantastic pregnancy. I had a great time. I was I was really active um, throughout the whole uh, nine months. So it it didn't kind of lay me out uh, in in the way that I've you know had had friends um, who've had more difficult pregnancies kind of experience. Um, I I got really lucky. It was it was actually an amazing and and um, you know not to overuse the word but kind of a beautiful like. Experience. I was kind of bringing two things to life at, at once, um, and just uh, very lucky that our fulfillment um, window, which was in early December, uh, came a couple of months before Jack came. Because doing those two things at one time, the, the fulfillment portion of the, of the campaign was was really intense and hands-on, um, almost almost as much as, as actually running the campaign had been, um, and I think. You know, I think there were moments where it would have been easy to get overwhelmed, but um, but having that team in place, having the support of of my family and, and husband, made it so much more um, manageable for me personally. And and uh, and I had a great time. I mean, I think you know, 90% of that, and and for people who who are you know are aren't as lucky to have uh, you know as loving a family or uh, as fast acting a team um as as I did I think just keeping it in balance and having a fantastic attitude about the whole thing um was a really big part of of pulling both of those things off at, at once I was so excited to see gear come to life and I was so excited to see Jack come to life and um and that made for for a very interesting uh kind of you know Christmas season <laughs> Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, and because it was, um, because it's a kitchen tool and something that people use in the home, oddly enough, um, kind of rounded out the story in a very cool way because, um, the final, the final kind of PR push, um, and, and getting the product into stores, um, after we finished fulfilling in January, I, I was, you know, walking to J.B. Prince, uh, Chef's Tools in, in New York, um, eight months pregnant to deliver spatulas to them, and and it's those types of stories that actually become really memorable and kind of the most fun of the whole thing. Wow, Gil, um, you know, my 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 question, my final question is, um, I I heard that you like the colors, Gil. You know, I was at the spatulas and I see all those blazing colors and her energy uh, that she has. The colors represent you, and I was wondering, was it was Jack the color? Coordinator, I mean, and, and the other thing is, can I special order colors? Is there a special order? Like, if I wanted a purple one, can I can I order a purple one or a different color? And those are the two questions. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, you know, I think I think um, we just wanted it to be like a, a a really bright and vibrant rainbow, and and um, that's kind of what we were feeling. It was such a happy project for us, um, and uh, and such a happy time time for all of us, and. So when when Christian, who's our our um, creative director, and I sat down to think about the colors, um, we realized you know we we can't just do this in in red, which is our brand color, and we can't just do it in red, green, and teal. We we've, we've got to just do them all. 
Um, and, and we had a lot of pushback, as a matter of fact, on uh, for that decision. I think people thought that we were going to have too many colors and it would be splintered. And, and for some reason, it just it just kind of felt right. It was actually one of the most intuitive decisions um, that that I made or that we made the entire time um, because it, it it actually didn't make as much sense from a business perspective. It was expensive to, to manufacture that many colors at once. Um, but uh, but for some reason it felt right. And then as it turned out, you know, the front page of the New York Magazine gift guide um, kind of kind of proved proved it for us. It, you know, and, and it was wow. it was right there, a big, big pinwheel of color. Um, so yeah. It, it, Interestingly enough, it, 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 it you know it might have been it might have been Jack because it, it was one of those intuition moments. Um, and if you want to order a special color, it absolutely is possible. We can we're um, we're going to introduce two more colors to the line this summer, um, and then um, you know as as we go, we we may uh, phase in a couple more as as kind of special editions or limited runs. Um, but you've got my email address. If you want one that is a special edition just for you kind, it, it absolutely is possible. <laughs> well, yeah. Wait a minute. That, that's, that's, not, that's not fair now, Samantha. First of all, <laughs> you got you, you have to tell us now, you know, you put two things. He can't have a special because he's a guy. So I'm, I'm just going to be the one to have it. And I would love to know what the two, the two colors are you're going to have for this summer. Oh, all right. I'll give you. I'll give you a little hint. So uh, we've got a new color coming out called Studio White, um, which is uh, was the trickiest actually of, of all of our colors because we wanted to make sure that the white was color safe. You know, if you if you mix um, a big Indian curry or or grandma's uh, spaghetti sauce with a white spatula, we wanted to make sure that your spatula that was white before it didn't come out as yellow or red uh, by the end of it. Um, so uh, we were able to figure it out with the silicone, and it's a it's a, a kind of a soft white color, a tinge of gray to it. Um, it's really beautiful, uh, and I think it'll it'll go great in a lot of people's kitchens. Um, and it looks very clean; it stays very clean. Um, and then the special special edition uh, that that we'll put on the website um, in the next few weeks is a bacon spatula. So it looks just like a strip of bacon. Um, oh wow! And, uh, yeah, <laughs> you can have that one, Jay. You can have that. One. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll take that's, it. Uh, no, that's the one that, that all the guys love. But you know, but in truth, our, our creative director is a guy, and and um, he he wanted to make sure that that the colors were you know vibrant, uh, and um, a few of them are soft, but also you know guy guy friendly. We didn't want it to be. It's not the pink and magenta spatula set. You know, it's. It wasn't Valentine's Day, and then and then go for it. But um, got red and black, and and uh, you know a really cool deep teal color um, that tend to be very popular with guys and and uh, the Fab.com crowd. Well, that sounds great. I mean, I have to tell you, I love the pink. You know, so I'm going to be buying a pink from you. Um, oh, look, thank, thank you so much. Thanks for the yeah, support. Well, yeah, I, we love. I mean, I, I love color, and so seeing it just pop like that has been, you know, it's amazing. And, you know, listen, give in any way that we can support you, we will. And, you know, we have one last question for you, Samantha, besides thank you sure. for being, being on with us. Our last question is, what is, your favorite, what is your favorite cause or charity that you're passionate about? You know, I, I am a cyclist in New York City, so bike-related causes tend to be very near and dear to my heart. Um, I had a cycling accident a few years ago, and, and ever since that, um, I want to, to be a, a very vocal supporter of, of child helmet uh, bike safety, um, because if I hadn't been wearing a helmet that day, we probably wouldn't have the spatula, uh, or or at least it wouldn't look the way it looks, and it might be a, a, a twisted, dangled spatula. But I'm, I'm very lucky to have been wearing a helmet, and um, you know, and I want to make sure that that even if kids don't think they always look cool, um, that they'll uh, they'll save your life, and and um, then a lot of them actually do look cool now. So so the problems that I had, uh, and and the the resistance that I had to wearing a helmet as a five year old is 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 well and gone. So. If I had to pick one, that would be it. And well, you know, I have to say you're right because um, 
I still, when I'm on a bike, and I love to cycle, I act like a uh, tomboy a bit, even though I'm a girl. And so um, I, love, I love to ride, so I get a little adventurous with that. Well, Jay and I just want to say thank you, and um, we look forward. Would you, would you come back again and share with our audience later in the year how well your business is doing? Absolutely. I'd love to. I'll give you the whole update. Well, great. Thank you so much for your time. And tell Jack and your husband we said hello. I know. Well, Jack's been with me the whole time. I hope he hasn't been cooing too much in the background, but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll spread the love to the whole family and the whole team. Thank you. Okay. Have a wonderful day. Okay. Thanks. Have a great afternoon. Bye. You too. What an amazing interview, don't you think, Jay? That is wonderful. And it's making me hungry right now. You know, I, just, you know, I don't have a spatula here, but I sure want to get one of those. Well, yeah, you were going to try and get a spatula first, and that's not fair because, you know, I'm not – hey, guys, I'm not saying that you don't cook, but, you know, um, I, I do love – Jay, you have to – I have one, and I love it. And so, um, yes, I have one. I, I, I'm going to rub it in. You don't have one. Ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> But thank you, you know, we we love this, and um, we've got some amazing surprises coming up for you guys, you know, in the coming weeks, you know, and um, just want to thank all of you as our audience for being with us every week and supporting us every week. We have found that we have people listening from literally 82 countries, and, you know, even if that means it's a couple of people from different countries and it, it comes up to 82, that means so much to us. And, you know, we're a small radio show looking to give back to the community in, in many ways. Uh, Jay is a Grammy Award-winning producer, at, or sorry to say, award-winning producer, I should, I should say that, and, and has worked with everyone from Bobby Brown to Whitney Houston and Vogue and C. Hammer and so many other people. And, you know, I've had the blessing myself. I'm a global consultant, problem-solving, creative consultancy, I've worked in many industries from, you know, the creation of Hulu at NBC, of being on that team and blessed to be on that team, to Warner Brothers, to, you know, working with former President Clinton on his reelection campaign and, you know, uh, sending the Clinton Global Initiative, all the way to just so many different things. And we've been so blessed in our lives so that we just want to give back. Uh, Jay and I haven't had the chance to share with all of you about a project, and it's called the Never Alone Project. And we just want you to know that we will be sharing that with you coming up very shortly. It has been a project close to our hearts and one that has been long and arduous, much like Samantha Rose. You know, Jay, do you want to say anything about the project in terms of what, the, what it takes about the work to put into it? Uh, it's just been a very, very uh, endearment project, and it's all about loving one another, caring for one another, and knowing that, you're never alone, and no matter what you're doing, people are always holding hands across the world. And I don't want to give up too much information, but exactly, you yeah, you will. And you know, I just, you know, on top of what Jay is saying, you know, realize you're never alone because, you know, if you start a business, you have to go in and hand the paperwork over to the person across from you at at the state level to sign it. And and there's a feeling you get, you know, I'm sure Jay, when you started your company and you you handed that paperwork over to the clerk in your state office. There's, some, there's an enjoyment about, I've done it, I'm starting it. Or the first day you get that new job. You see, as much as you may think you're getting that new job, the person had to hire you. And when you get on that job, you're working with other people. So we are never alone no matter what we're doing. And those times when you think work is hard or you can't pass the test or you lose a loved one, know that you are never alone. So with that said, uh, we are going to leave out with a very beautiful song by Pat and Leather, who will be going on tour in Japan this summer. So let's start out by saying, Jay, thank you as usual, and we'll finish off with Pat and Leather. Thank you. Thank you.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.